Spice FM 98.8 FM.
Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. i got to say, one of the things that's really, really nice, and hello, my name's Stephen Hesswood. I'm here with my friend Ricky Salmon. This is Mentally Sound. Is I really love hearing, you know, sort of uh, Indian Indian accents and, like, you know, the language before the show. Do you have any idea what the name of that show is? It's on the front. It sounds really awful. <laughs> I've got no idea what the name of the show is. But it sounds beautiful. I really do love the language. Um, right. So I'm just saying, if anyone who's, like, still listening in... Well, you're on the right station, then. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, obviously, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting that whenever we do this show Mentally Sound is that we never actually say that we do an English-speaking show, which we probably should, considering, you know, Spice FM and 98.8 FM, obviously, uh, is, um, you know, multicultural and, um, you know, multi-diverse in the languages. So I just love the fact that we have a different language uh, show on before us, you know, an Islamic show, basically. So um, it's pretty, pretty... Um, it, uh, I just feel nice listening to it before the show. It's really um, quite therapeutic. Welcome to my uh, world. Yes, I know, yeah. Well, I just thought it makes... It's kind of nice because you have, like, a, you know, a... Uh, 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 Wayne in that crossover, sense, but, you know, like crossover. Best, yeah, that's sorry. Worlds, yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's the word saying, I was yeah. searching for. Yeah, Wayne. Like a club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky's just joining his club. Uh, anyway, this is just silly. But, um, but yeah, welcome everybody. This is Mentally Sound. We are on every second and last Friday of the month. That's 12 till 2 p.m. So we'll be with you till 2 p.m. today. Um, we are a show all about mental health. Um, the reason we say that right off the bat. Uh, yeah, do take a seat, Mark. Um, is that, yeah, we, the reason we see it's a mental health show right off the bat is obviously that some a lot of the stuff that we talk, subject matter, is taboo-like, but don't make that, like, you know, ironically depress you. It's not a, you know, depressed-ridden show. We just are honest and upfront, and we just like to put that disclaimer right at the beginning because, obviously, stuff like that can be, um, you know, some people don't like hearing about it, and I just want, we want to be upfront about it right right from the off. And we obviously, always encourage listeners to seek the right help. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that is yeah that um, obviously if anything does come up we do like to point people in the right direction and anyone who listened to this show for the last few years that's been on air is that obviously we have people on from charities and organisations and service companies who you know offer you know a particular type of help and we always make sure to let people we're basically a signpost show so hopefully you know if there's something that you are, are reluctant to talk about and maybe you're being more open about it or if you have an issue we can maybe point you in the right direction because that, I think that that's like um, incredibly important. Um, yeah. So in terms of who's on today's show, we have our guest uh, very nicely waiting, who's a real, um, it's a real coup actually. I've got his book right in front of me called Life After Care, which we'll talk about in, uh, with him in a second, uh, Mr. Mark Edwards. Um, but yeah, so we have him uh, waiting in the wings to talk to us now. So we'll skip doing a little bit of intro that me and Ricky normally do. And we have Hope Virgo, who's an anorexia survivor. She did Stand Tall Little Girl, an author, it's a book, and uh, has a campaign called uh, Dump the Scales which I'm fascinated to talk about considering I'm trying to lose weight right now. So that'll be an interesting discussion. And we also potentially have Amir, who is the... Um, he's been on the show before. He does um, the Dining at the Beacon, which is the cafeteria that I just had. I'm not saying this. He didn't pay me any money to say this. I paid money for my pasta, but I had a pasta before here, and it was delightful. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's a it very nice... Scrumptious. It was very nice. I wish it had Tempt- salad. Tempted me. <laughs> Which uh, Ricky laughed at me going, what's <laughs> happened to you? You're a changed man. I'm like, I want salad every five minutes now. It's great. Um, but that's what happens when you lose. Like, I've lost a stone. I don't know if oh, you're wow. interested in knowing, but I've lost a stone in, in like... 
three weeks or something, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I just got sick of being just unfit and felt like I had no energy. And then when the when the hot weather saps you as well, it's you're suddenly aware. Of yeah, like how awful you, you I've told you most times I'm like how running is sort of important yeah. for my uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I can although I haven't done as many times as I would have wanted this week, but mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, there was a news report this week that that. Um, uh, <coughs> groups have come out and said how important uh, physical health, health is to mental health and the yeah. yeah. I think this age of digital culture where we're all addicted to our phones and you know we don't go outside as much as we used to um, do you know like with, especially regarding kids like I always feel sad when I walk past a park and I, I don't see any activity there mm-hmm. you know when, I, when my in my day you would see kids playing football all sorts you know having yeah a different world <laughs> yeah and it's just this idea that nobody like knocks on people anymore right. that's like a generation that I just don't understand it was always like, like no. whoever's football it was it was yeah. his duty to knock on the next face like a domino effect yeah. whereas now it's like let's all get a Facebook or a WhatsApp uh, group mm-hmm. going and, and it'll be all like do you want to go out no I can't be bothered alright then never mind yeah. <laughs> that's, that's as far as like well, uh, if they do if they do arrange <laughs> to meet, meet meet afterwards it's always like online what time yeah. are you going to be online what time yeah. are you going to be on you know I mean, I'm not one to talk because I know I'm 10 years younger than you, but um, yeah, when I was the generation of MSN Messenger and that was exactly what I thought. I think I'm the generation that probably started it because, you know, when you got an MSN Messenger, I was like, you used to go, as you were saying, like to the park and actually interact with people. And then it became this (laughs) this whole deal of of now it's like, when you're logging on to MSN Messenger, that's literally what I was thinking as you described that. I was little before that with me, it was chat rooms. Yeah. But you know, (laughs) chat rooms. Yeah. Social, me- social media right now, it seems like it. It's like a chat room. It's like there'll, be people, there'll be people. There'll be people. There'll be people listening to this going, chat rooms? <laughs> you chat in a room? What is wrong with you? Get a, get a room. Hey, um, this shows you how old uh, old school that we're talking about now. Dating sites used to be just chat rooms. They never used to be yeah. like profiles. Yeah. used to just be like, you know, you logged into a room and chatted to whoever was in there. Yeah. Um, you know, how times have changed. Um, we must say before we talk to Mark, he's waiting patiently because we want to give him as much time as possible because he's a you know a man of many talents which we're about to discover um is we should mention just because um it's hard not to notice <laughs> that we're being filmed uh for by alex um what's the um what's your name again sorry i'm john john that's it sorry sorry my young man I, i'm not great with names um but yeah they are filming us for a documentary about mental health that's being done um so yeah we're being filmed today so hopefully once we know when that comes out we maybe get a chance to talk to alex towards the end of the show if he's willing um, just about that because they're going to interview us after the show so yeah um, fun times we're being filmed today it's like we're a little bit of a stars today uh, Ricky's like dressed up well like me well, <laughs> well it is radio after all disheveled so yeah. compare that we are yeah, yeah might, as well, might as well catch us well should see us when the camera's on here we're in my jammers I don't make an effort this time don't anyway cool um, so Mark, if uh, when I talk to you, if you just get you up, be up close to the mic, that would be great. Um, but yeah, let's get Mark to talk, because that's okay, because I know Ricky's got Ricky in particular, because um, I have a wonderful copy of your book, which Ricky, like, no word of a lie, we didn't, like, plant this. This is the bookmark of how far he's got through it. Really? Um, yeah, so uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, so I could get you to lean in, because I, I'm, uh, yeah, so I could hear you. Yeah, that's great. Is that better? Um, yeah, that's better. Um, yeah, is that, um... Yeah, so uh, I think first things first, so obviously welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so yeah, so let's get started obviously with my prop in front of you. Obviously I know this is radio, so I'll explain it, you know. So yeah, let's explain the visual cue. Um, so yeah, Life After Care from Lost Cause to MBE by Mark Edwards I've got in front of me. Um, and you're a man of many talents, which we'll get to, but I guess... Um, uh, 
to to start the ball rolling about who you are and your story is obviously this book's based on the fact that you you know um, wanted to end your life um, you had mental health issues um, and this book sort of chronicles your ri- like sort of rise above that and recovery to be getting an MBA in in short um, so do you, uh, I guess do you want to maybe talk about your struggles to begin with maybe um, if you're comfortable Not just with my it. struggles, it yeah. shows uh, highlighted to many people's struggles. Yes. And, and mm. I do want to start with a very disturbing and shocking story that I read yesterday in regards to mental health. Yeah. I don't know whether you read it about the 29-year-old Dutch girl who, uh, sanctioned by the state, suffered mental health issues all her life, felt she could no longer go on, and she committed euthanasia, sanctioned by the state. Mm. And this BBC doc, this documentary about her, followed her visiting the crematorium where her service is going to be held, uh, followed her for two weeks leading up to her taking her life and she was ticking off the days on the calendar. And when I read that, I, I, I it was both shocking and disturbing because I have been there in that situation where you feel you don't want to live and if you could press a button or drink some poison, mm. that you would do. Yeah. I'm not there now. Yeah. And not, that's not to say as part of my mental health journey that there are occasions when... I still feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this girl at 29 years old has the whole of her, her life ahead of her. Mm-hmm. And sanctioned by the state because it's not illegal in Holland, yeah. she was able to commit euthanasia by drinking poison yeah. given mm-hmm. to her by a doctor. And therefore she chose to end her life because of mental health issues. Now, you're lying to my book, Trigger Press. They're publishing a whole load of stories, inspirational stories by people like myself who are still struggling with mental health issues but the whole reason they're publishing these stories is to give people like this girl in Holland who's taking her own life hope and to say there is hope we understand where you're coming from we understand that you, you're depressed and you have mental health issues but don't give up mm-hmm. get the help you need there is always hope mm-hmm. and there's times in my story in that book where I've tried to commit suicide yeah. my self-harm started when I was in the children's home in mm-hmm. Lincolnshire yeah. I was in care from the age of three and I started self-harming around about 15, 16, and there was a failed attempt at suicide in the children's home itself, mm-hmm. which caused tremendous problems back in the late 70s because these things just didn't happen then. Yeah. And, and so they kind of sent me away to live with a relative in Chester City where uh, 18 months afterwards I tried to commit suicide again and ended up um, sectioned in one of those old Victorian mental health asylums uh, on a ward that had lockdown yeah and uh, drugged up to the eyeballs i've been there my friend you've been there yes you know what i'm saying you just become a a zombie yep and they try and control your mental health by pumping you full of drugs i thought like by making you not who you are basically yeah Um, i became a shadow of myself and um i even tried to attempt suicide even on that hospital ward yes um because i was so desperate Mm -hmm. so aligning to this girl in Holland we've all been there and part of your discussions and this programs like this is to say to people out there look you may be suffering mental health issues but don't give up yeah mm. get the help you need we've all been there we've all been to that dark and scary place I look back now and thank God I wasn't successful in yeah. taking my own life I think that as well yeah. but given a choice back then mm-hmm. would I press the button and said I choose to end my life probably yes yeah but I'm not there now and many authors by Trigger Press can tell the same story and many other people with mental health issues can say 
the same story. Yeah, it's a really powerful point because I mean, there's there's many powerful points in what you've just said there. But I think um, I mean, we you know, as as I've just as you just heard me touch on, I was in you know I was in the psychiatric ward a few years ago, and you know I've 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 had suicidal uh, been suicidal many times in my life because I have bipolar disorder. Right. And uh, it I I found it it sort of fascinating in terms of um, you know like you just eloquently said that when you are in that situation where you are trying to commit suicide and the want to end your life is really high that when you tell people after the fact that you've like got over that it's sort of like i see people approach it as that like well you know that you're always like that or you always feel like that and i'm so pleased you said because you know when i talk to people now like that was a few years ago and i have and I'm exactly in the same mindset as you. I'm just about to have a child, which is wonderful. Oh, wonderful. It? Um, and I just find myself going, I want to live now. And I've and I and the, and I think the powerful point you raised, the sort, and it certainly is implied strongly as well, is that we all should want to live because it's a wonderful thing. And doesn't it imply that you have a mental health issue if that's how you feel? If you look at everything around you, and even if you got the best help or what's perceived as the best help, it still is a struggle. Um, it it reinforces to, to to me that it's obvious that somebody just needs help as opposed to the example, the horrible one you gave of just wanting to end somebody's life seems like a wa- a horrible waste, if nothing else. Um, but, but the disturbing thing about that story is it's sanctioned by the state. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not illegal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when people talk about euthanasia yeah. and the ethics and the morality around euthanasia, yeah. I mean, I mean, how many people in this country would choose to take their life if it was sanctioned by the state? Yeah, and, and if it was given to them, essentially. Given yeah. To them. Yeah. Um, and that is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it is, I mean, you know and I know, it's a journey. We can never say we've overcome our mental health issues. We are, course, we are, we are yeah. mental health suffers in recovery. Yep. And there's certain things we have to do in order to maintain that Absolutely. recovery. Yeah. I mean, you're having a child, you've got someone else to live for, other people to think of. Yep. But you know, and I know, when you're in that dark and scary place, you hurt the people who love you the most because yeah. you turn so inward on yourself. Yep. I mean, I, I live with my sister, and I didn't see the pain that I caused her I know. when I tried to commit suicide, and the pain it caused her to have me sectioned in a psychiatric hospital. Yep. And even even you know, even now, I was even as a clergyman, a man of faith with a belief, very strong belief system. There's still times now when I when I enter that dark night of the soul. And, and, and I get depressed and I feel anxious and I feel fearful and insecure and afraid. Mm-hmm. And there's maybe times now, passing moments when I feel, is it worth going on? Yeah. But it's always worth going on because of the people you're living for. Yeah. Um, your loved ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, my wife comes across very strongly in that book. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I met my wife, I'd, I'd, I'd been homeless in the city of Chester. Uh, I had no qualifications. I'd not long been... Uh, discharged from a psychiatric hospital and being told there's no hope for me your type always come back mm-hmm. and there's one quote in that book told by a so-called medical profession of that time why don't you just do it all a favor and die you know oh, and, and that was the regime yeah. then if you once seen that film once flew over cuckoo's nest by jack nicholson yeah that was the kind of regime i was thrust into Absolutely, as an 18 yeah. year old yeah yeah and it's a very scary place to be uh, yeah, because, I mean, that's kind of, I guess, to try and look at things in, like, an optimistic, positive sense, is that that's what, certainly the power that we feel, you know, I mean, 
as, as good as we possibly can do it is that doing a show like this is to try and as as I said in the introduction to signpost people to the right kind of help yeah. because that kind of stuff is very toxic and harmful and um, because to 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 share with you an example from my life is that when I eventually through I, I, I generally think and I'm not saying this to be like oh poor me mm. but I think a lot of what I went through was just sheer effort to want to be better um, and it just took going through the mire of people making bad decisions on me that I just I, ha I still had some smidgen of desire to want to beat it and eventually I did um, and but that 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 shouldn't be the way it is, I guess, is my point. But also, when I left the psychiatric ward a few years ago, um, after being there for two months, they went, "We, you can't stay in here any longer because you'll not adapt to society if you do." And they went, "Here's a care plan." I went to the place that they told me to take the care plan to, right. and they laughed in my face, saying, "We can't offer this stuff," and um, cancelled my cancelled my care plan just said dismissed me and said like and I had no place I it's because of as you quite eloquently said um, my parents I fell out with my mom because of all the the difficulty of helping me um, my mom didn't understand what I was going through I had no place to live ended up staying with some friends for a few months until I got the place I currently am staying in now and it's just I, I guess the reason I'm telling you all this to lead to a very powerful question because I'd love to know what you think is and like what is the answer I guess from your experience is when you, we see all these things I guess if someone's listening to this now and is in the same position that we're no longer in that we're describing um, how do we how how can what can we say in relation to our experiences and Ricky included that can help them through that like what options can they do and how can they get better and also like how did you get better ultimately do you think? Well, fair play to where you are now. Uh, <laughs> running this radio station and giving people hope uh, yeah. across the airways, which is a very powerful medium to do that. Thank you. Um, I think you're aligned to the, the big issue in society is that it's all very good on paper to put these mental health plans together. It all sounds very good. Yeah. But simply there is not the funding to back up the mental yep. health care in this country. Yeah. And, 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 and the cutbacks are making it worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, my, my, my own son... Um, suffered anxiety issues one, one of a twin he's been waiting on cams since the beginning of November mm -hmm. we had to source our own counselling for him yep. so there's an issue there about funding for mental health yep. it's appalling in this country yep. I don't think they take mental health seriously yep. uh, and, and the police will tell you more and more they're dealing with people with mental health issues and they're not equipped or qualified to do that so first of all the government needs to wake up and start yep. pour, pouring money into mental health funding to help people like yourself and other young people who are falling through the net yep. and, and give the support to the, to, to the loved ones. To, yeah. you know, my, my, my sister got no support for me back in the uh, early 80s at all. Um, there wasn't the funding even then. Yep. It's even worse now since Margaret's actually closed all the, um, all, all the institutions yeah. and said care in the community. That simply didn't work because there's no money. Yeah, it's not feasible. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you do need a good support system. Yep. When my wife married me, she, she didn't know the baggage she was marrying into. She just got her degree. I just found a bedsit after being homeless for a short time, having been sectioned in a psychiatric hospital, having tried to take my own life. So all this baggage came to our relationship. And I think over the 35 years we've been married, her absolute unconditional love has been one of the big factors, apart from my faith, in, yeah. in, in, in bringing healing and wholeness, purpose and direction 
to my life, someone yeah. who believed in me. And certainly when children come along, you're expecting your first child. Again, another reason to, 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 to want to live yeah. for, 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 for others. Mm-hmm. That's not just mean to say that you, you still don't close in on yourself and, and, and free everyone else out. You do. Someone mm-hmm. once said to me, the problem is, Mark, you don't, when you're like that, you don't see the pain that you're causing the people. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't. And you need other people to help you see the pain you're causing mm-hmm. the people so that you don't become so introspective, that you become very selfish. Self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. That's the word I'm looking for, self-absorbed. I mean, it's been a lifelong process. I mean, I've been on this road for a long time. Yeah. And I still would say I'm in recovery. Yeah. I'm glad you say that. And it's only yeah. it's only recently. I mean, I've always talked about my, if you like, my testimony, my story, how I came to faith, how I met my wife. But I've always been ashamed to admit the mental health as aspect of that because of my role in the church. Because yeah. I'm supposed to be one supporting other people. Mm-hmm. But through sports personalities and celebrities and even royalty coming out and talking about their own mental health issues, that yeah. gave me the confidence to want to get those diaries published that I kept when I was sectioned in the mental health hospital. Mm-hmm. And when you read those diaries, uh, me as an 18-year-old, I find it very difficult to read those diaries because it puts me back in that context. Yeah. And you can see how antiquated that system was and how inadequate they were to deal with my mental health mm. issues. And like you, uh, well, I did become institutionalised. That's why they said, you know, they kicked me out, basically, with a so-called care package that never materialised. Yeah. Um, think, yeah, hasn't changed, yeah. So after that, I was homeless for a short time. Yeah. Until I drifted in, 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 into this church and this elderly minister took me under his wing. And then my wife, who just finished university. Yeah. And we eventually married. And, you know. This is your wife, Leslie, isn't it? Leslie, yeah. yeah. I mean, you I pay, did, You pay a huge tribute to her, don't you? Well, look. She, she, I don't know how she's lived with me all these years. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't live with me. And she comes across very strongly as the heroine mm. of the book. And uh, even now, you know. If I go to that dark and scary place, she will remind me of my vocation. Mm. She will remind mm. me that I have reasons to live, um, and so forth and so forth. And you, you, you know, you've got to find that what is it, that stubborn determination within yourself to overcome. When someone says, you know, you're useless and you're hopeless, you never amount to anything. Mm. There's something mm. kicks in, waiting. I show you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think the big. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, and, and I want Ricky to talk about the book because he's, um, as I said, he said once he's finished this, he's going to give me the copy because um, he's he's been raving about how good it is. So, so we'll get to that in a second, and that's okay. But um, I, I think I don't know. I just wanted to. I'm interested to know if you agree with this assertion that it's 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 an interesting discussion, and it's good that we have in this open forum now because this is a type of discussion that I think should just happen in general as a as a norm as the norm is that when you say about being so self-absorbed and whatever I do think the misconception people have just in general about mental health particularly those who've never had any you know depression or whatever it may be even I mean it might be undiagnosed but at least not understanding it is that you come across as the most self-absorbed selfish person in the world but the real downside and the thing that's not understood is you care so little about yourself that's at the right, same time right. like and i think that's fundamentally the problem is because people react when it's all about you to say it's all about you and reinforce that by going it's all about you it's all about you but it's all about you because you're ill and there's something reinforcing that it's all about you but it's it's not that you have too much of something, it's that you have not enough. It's a lack of self-worth. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. And I find that that's the key in relation to, I guess, like I'm saying, trying to be positive and us talking about solutions, is when you see a support network, 
is that's often how people like I say falling out with my mom. My mom approached it like that way as in why are you being so negative and and difficult difficult um and it's not through you know because I always ask a question especially when you recover I think a powerful question to ask people is if you could choose to be this way would you be this way and my you know my answer for the whole process and now is of course not why would I want to be miserable end of my life um, have no friends socially outcasted you know threatening to be homeless like you say because I had to live with friends so I was in a similar position as you um, and just it, it, why would you want to be in that position so if you're not wanting to be in that position and you're trying everything you do to not be out of it then it's obviously down to something so wrong inside you that um you need uh you need like five times as much of that to to find it within yourself to be you know worth something and it comes from other people you know um especially in that sense because you don't have the ability i mean i was talking about capability with mental health is that you don't have the capacity to get better and that's why it's such a burden sometimes. I know, like for people around you, particularly loved ones. Um, but yeah, so um, I unless, you, unless you've point. been there, you don't understand, yeah. do you? Yeah. Unless they've walked in your shoes, yes, they don't understand. And it is that lack of self worth. You don't care about yourself. Yeah, it's not that you're literally trying to hurt other people around yeah. you. You have such a lack of self worth in yourself. Yeah, you think what's the point of going on? You yeah. hate yourself. Yeah, and part of my journey has been learning to to love myself mm-hmm. and to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all those insecurities and inferiority complexes and anxieties and fear inherited in my childhood mm-hmm. can rage into the surface in my adolescence. Yep. Um, Going right. back to your book, yes, the, the, um, what I got from it first and foremost is that so your earliest childhood memory, most vivid memory, was clinging on to your mum because you were being taken away by social services. And your mum was not happy with the situation. You weren't happy with the situation. And you were very kind of... That was the first picture you painted on this book. And my question was, do you feel that you wanted to give the reader the kind of bedrock to what what your foundation was? Because in in essence, it was a foundation of unhappiness which led, you know, to the neglect and the feelings of unhappiness, depression, anxiety. Is that what is that what you wanted to give across? That that image, yes, being yeah. snatched from my mother's arms. It, it, it was one of the most horrific things a child can experience, being taken mm. away from the person who's nurtured you and looked yeah. after you, and you being taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where that sense of fear and insecurity exactly. and anxiety began as a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's remained with me throughout my life, and that's the mm-hmm. that's the image I wanted to give in the book to say mm-hmm. this is where this is where the seed was that's sown. That's where it came from. This, yeah, yeah. St- this is where it originated. Yeah. But you see, people say, "Oh, children are very resilient." I mean, mm-hmm. social services and others and children in care uh, would say, "Oh, children are very resilient." They adapt, they adapt very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't. What mm-hmm. they do is suppress all those negative feelings exactly. and they bury them under, if you like, a layer of concrete for the mm-hmm. sake of our image. And what happens is they get the 15 adolescents. Then, then, then all those negative feelings start to surface when they reach adolescence. That's how I would describe my own PTSD, because that's what I have. It's like, you know, for a while you think you're okay, but what really happens, it lays dormant, doesn't that's it? Right, and, yeah. then it and then it rises on occasion. But, you, I mean, the, you also wanted to be a, a brother to, your, to Paul, your younger brother, and mm-hmm. you were neglected of that. And I thought that was, that was very uh, eloquently put. Um, but you, you had a feeling that... As you were growing up and you, and you were in these institutions, you had the constant theme then was that you were felt very let down by people you looked up to. It was almost like bad news after bad news, you know, 
for, for when you thought you were doing relatively well, you were thinking, oh, not more bad news because you were taken to a different home or a certain nurse that you looked up to was then moving on or it said something which you, which you had a negative effect. That was a running theme, right, throughout your growing up? Certainly the abandonment complex, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you know, in and out of foster care mm-hmm. for all of our early childhood before we finally went to live in a children's home mm-hmm. when I was age 10. Yeah. Um, I do have an issue with trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me a long time to trust mm-hmm. Leslie, my wife. Yeah. I, I thought, you're not the real deal. So mm-hmm. I tried to push her away. Yeah and constantly tried to push her away, even packed yeah. the bags and, and pushed out the door yeah. and said, go away, I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. But that's because I'd been let down so much in my past when people would say, trust me, mm-hmm. social services, uh, health, edu- health officials, uh, educational system. And so each time I said, trust you, and then something negative would happen, mm-hmm. you think, well, who can I trust? It's like, here it goes again. That's it's, ab- it's coming absolutely. again, yeah. yeah. I mean, two years in a foster home, the first solid foster home we'd ever experienced, and then one day kidnapped by social services from school with no word of warning. Just when you thought you'd reach a That's level of right. stability, and then you have to be moved on And again. then put into any children's home for yeah. the rest of my, yeah. oh, until I reached 17. You also very graphically describe what, what in a way, you, you, you've alluded to before, just how... I mean, we're going back to 1980, but it, it seems like a world away because <laughs> I'd like to think things are so much better now, but I still hear stories where it's not. But it, it almost it, it was also very draconian, wasn't it? That was the word you described. It is very draconian. And I'll say, if you watch Once Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson, yeah. that is a perfect example of the system that I was thrust into, mm-hmm. a mental health asylum, an old Victorian building with bars on the window, mm-hmm. locked down, a drug to die bird, padded cells, yeah. threatened with uh, uh, electric treatment, um, which I threatened with constantly as a form of punishment. You used the, the expression fried your brain, wasn't it? Fried your brain, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, I never had, I saw it done mm-hmm. and it was scary. Cause and your sister was adamant that she, she didn't want that done. Well, they, they, they was going to do it and my sister was adamant and then it got to the stage where they say, well, we don't need your sister's, sister's right. permission yeah. and they're going to do it anyway. Fortunately, they didn't. Yeah. But they took me to see it being done, just mm-hmm. to, to frighten me, really. Another thing was that you, because of this sort of feeling of being let down by, by people you're look up, looking up to, that you formed sort of solidarity amongst people you were with, and this one character in particular, Sandy. Is that right? Oh, Sandy, yeah. I, yeah. Even as you mentioned, I can see a picture in my mind now, who, mm-hmm. who herself, same age as me, had been in and out of psychiatric hospitals yeah. from a well-to-do family. Mm-hmm who couldn't cope, cope with her, really, so she was in the same So you both formed a sort of an alliance against everything that was going around you, in a way, wasn't it? We did. We're, we're the two youngest people on the ward. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were, that, I was 18 at the time, and we're talking, we thrust into, there was no youth uh, mm-hmm. hospital then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was put in the ward with, um, well, with people who, who really should have been in prison. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or in a specialist nursing home. So Sandy and I were the youngest people in that mm-hmm. institution. So, yeah, we did form an alliance. Therefore, you both were the two most vulnerable. In yeah, indeed. The, the, yeah. Well, yeah, I was uh, yeah, I was threatened a number of times by the patients. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, well, I don't want to get too much into that because... That's okay. Uh, because, you know... Um, the, the person who, who did it should have been yeah. in prison today yeah. would have been in prison yeah. yeah you know and you see me i hit out at him mm-hmm. because he was trying to abuse me mm-hmm. yeah I, I hit i out. remember reading that you yeah. read that yeah. yeah so he shouldn't have been there he mm-hmm. should have been in prison right? mm-hmm. but with sandy the times where you kind of you know when you thought about suicide you either 
either doing it individually or together, but sometimes we even prevented one another from taking that leap, literally. Almost. We talked about a suicide pact. When, when you talk yeah. about particularly with the railway bridge, I know you often used to go down to, didn't you? I did, and there's an incident in the book, in the diaries, where I actually stood on the railway, on the railway track and watching a train come mm. towards me. Uh, and then at the last minute, I threw myself on an embankment yeah. and the train went past. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that image is, still remains with me. You know, mm. that's... Um, if I hadn't, through at the last minute, changed my mind, I, I wouldn't mm. be here. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have four children, two grandchildren. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't have written two books. You know. Yeah. Well, it's a testament to you know you being here, and, and obviously, and the front in the front of you, but you described getting your honour at, uh, at at Bookhouse, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's a good way. Surreal, of, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a good way of end, a, a good way of, of summarising the interview is to, to ask you about the MBA and just how it felt for you. Um, you know, did you ever? I mean. I mean, because I'm sitting here going, I wouldn't even dream of getting an MBA. Like, it wouldn't even be on my, you know, wildest dreams. So I'm wondering what it was like for you. I still have to pinch myself. Although yeah. in 2010 I got it, I still, you know, have to pinch myself. Yeah, it, it's surreal, really. And um, the, uh, one newspaper once described, it's a long way from the steps of the Lincoln Children's Home psychiatric ward to being homeless to the steps of Buckingham Palace. But mm. that's the journey that I've undertook mm. um, throughout my um, you know to, to get there and standing in Buckingham Palace and, and Prince Charles pinning that medal on it was just so surreal because I'd been written off by every institution imaginable mm. uh, way back yeah. you know education social services health authority and at one point I'm sad to say because I am in the church the other point when I was even written off by the church as, as being of someone uh, 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 no hope for me yeah. it was only that that, that elderly minister who stood by me, who saw the potential in me. It's almost like a beautiful irony, isn't it? Like yes. the, the, the institutions that let you down before and here, the ultimate institution kind of pinning the <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. That's, I never thought it like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just shows you, it just shows you, doesn't it, that, that don't give up hope. And I, if I can come back to Trigger Press, because uh, Trigger Press, the, they are the, the publishing company of the Sean Mental Health Foundation. Mm. Yeah who lobbied the government with a petition of 100,000 signatures to get mental health debated mm. in and around education, which was last November. Yeah, we've talked about that. It was debated sure, yeah. in Parliament, yeah. in which our own MP, who you've had on this show, yeah. uh, mentioned my book in her debate yeah. and said it would be a very powerful resource. Even be part, be part of the curriculum? That's right. Yeah, well, it's yeah. going to be in 2020, isn't it? The government are now going to, it's going to be part of the education curriculum okay, in good. 2020. We've been pushing for that on this show. For because if I may mm. align to my son, and yeah. he's, you know, he, he suffered anxiety issues over a particular thing, which I won't go into detail. Mm -hmm. and he's been, he, was a model, he has been a model pupil throughout his education. Mm -hmm. But to get the school to say, look, this is a mental health issue, not behavioural, yeah. it, it, it was hard work. Yeah. We had to get a letter from the GP, mm. we had to get mental health advocates to come to school meetings with us, uh, and they only brought Senko on special education needs later on in the process, but they kept treating it as behavioural. Mm. And we said, no, this is not behavioural, it's a mental health issue, because as my son said in one of his meltdowns, all they care about is ticking the boxes and, uh, uh, you know, for Ofsted and, and, and looking good on paper. I think even having counsellors at schools is, can go a long way, because had I had they been there in my, when my PTSD was manifesting, it would have made a hell of a difference. Well, it? hopefully that would change with yeah. it being on the curriculum. I think 2020, as a result of the Shaw Mental Health Foundation, mm -hmm. and Trigger Press, I mean, not just my story, they're mm -hmm. publishing a lot of stories by mental health sufferers and survivors. Brilliant. Uh, and the whole point of, of publishing these I books... I believe our next guest, actually, is also the, her book published by... Yeah, we're not 100% certain on this, but... Yeah, yeah. I, 
Uh, we think it's the not, same publisher. Not Lucy, is it? No, no. Um, no, no. Um, Hope. Uh, Hope. She's great. I've met Hope. Oh. She's got a very powerful story to tell. Well, you with Anna Rex. Yeah, yeah. Hope, Hope is, is wonderful. And, uh, you know, tune in and listen to Hope. She's got a great story. Yeah, tell. she's actually on the phone now, which is why we need to wrap things up because the phone's going off. So, well, hello, um, Hope. You know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we'll still we'll answer about Hope, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I know that's why I said her, her, her name's like uh, um, ironic in a sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, we could talk about you forever. We never even got a chance to talk. I know you've touched on your religion, which I was going to ask you about, but we're running out of time, unfortunately. Um, but all, on again. But yeah, we'd love to have you on again. Yeah, well, I say, but I would have been here earlier. But I, as a volunteer, no, no, no. I instinctively know when someone's waiting for an ambulance at the so end of my street. So I pulled over. Said, "Is there a problem?" I said, "We're waiting for an ambulance." I said, "Well, I'm a, I'm a first responder. What's the issue?" So I contacted my controller. Oh, okay. Right. That's for an ambulance for eight minutes. I said, I said to my controller, "Can you show me on scene? I'll deal with the casualty, but I'm going to be late for a radio interview." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I agree. Well, thank you for for getting here when when you could. And as as I said at the beginning, uh, the book's called Life After Care from Lost Cause to MBA by Mark Edwards, um, and you can find that. I'm assuming in in all good bookstores, in all good bookstores and yeah. some bad ones as well. <laughs> yeah, please. Then, that's yeah, fine. Is that okay? that's it. That's fine. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, we'll take a break right now. We're going to play some ads, and then we're going to have hope on the phone in a second. Uh, but huge thank you to Mark, and we'll be right back after these messages. For the community, by the community. Spice FM, ninety-eight point eight FM. Newcastle Miller 2018. 20th year anniversary. The biggest multicultural festival on Tyneside. Bigger and better than ever before. Taking place on Sunday the 26th and Monday the 27th of August Bank Holiday Weekend at the Exhibition Park, Newcastle City Centre. For more information, log on at newcastlemiller.co.uk or search us out on Facebook. Mosaram Samain. गुजश्ता साल हम आपके लिए डेट्स फॉर सीरिया लेकर आए थे इस साल इंशाल्लाह हम डेट्स फॉर सीरिया फलस्तीन और पाकिस्तान लेकर आ रहे हैं एक किलो खजूर की कीमत सिर्फ 10 पाउंड रखी गई है तमाम मुनाफा आपकी पसंद की हुई चैरिटी को जाएगा ऑर्डर के लिए टेलीफोन नंबर 07522976002 पर رابطہ कीजिए आपका ऑर्डर इंशाल्लाह ماہ رمضان سے پہلے آپ کو موصول ہو جائے گا مزید معلومات کے لیے ہماری ویب سائٹ www.thedateproject.com پر رابطہ کیجئے شکریہ
Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. That was Fallout Boy with Last of the Wheel Ones, which is a fantastic um, song. Huge, huge fan of them. Um, I also wanted to do a little bit of a tribute to one of my best friends, uh, Nicola, um, who might be listening, so if she is, um, that she's one of her favourite bands. Um, so we first heard that band probably something like 15 years ago, and I think that's from like last year. Uh, song and it's pretty darn good. Um, I'm I'm kind of winging the the small talk here because I um, my co-host went. Oh, I have four minutes and he always comes like six minutes <laughs> six minutes late. And um, we just started Ricky's it's fine. Um, but well, yeah, just talking to Amy actually. Uh, okay. Yeah, he, he, Ricky has a, a more a, a more entertaining show outside than any eyes like. That's good. Who needs a show? Um, but yeah, so uh, we have the one rather wonderful um, uh, Hope on the line. Uh, Hope Virgo. Uh, we're going to talk to in a second. But yeah, so I was just saying um, to my friend Nicola, is big Fallout Boy uh, fan. Uh, hopefully get to see her and Charlotte, her little girl, and Alan at some point in the future. Um, but as we were just in the break, as we were talking to the documentary guys through the film, and that was a fantastic interview. Did you agree with that, Ricky? I thought it was... Uh, Unbelievably powerful. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, it was great. I love guests where you just wind them up and let them go. It's I great. Know, we didn't see any after seeing you. It's great. It makes you um, think that you could just a bit more time would be, yeah. would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so um, apparently uh, he knows our guest who's on the phone now, Mrs. H- uh, Hope Virgo, um, Mark Edwards, who um, talked about his Life After Care book, and uh, we might think it's the same publisher who it's does the book. Yeah. It might be, but we'll, we'll find out with Hope. Hope, are you there? Hi, yeah, yeah. Hello, Hope. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. Um, so, yeah, are we right in thinking that your book's the same printing company? Yes, as Mark's, yeah. Yes, that makes sense, yeah. So we are right. We had a hunch, but there we go. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <so laughs> I just wanted to make he sure. Say, I he says asking. hello, by the way. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, he seems like somebody who knows everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, one of yeah. one of them sort of people. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I hope I know her." Yeah, uh, but anyway. So, um, obviously, uh, just to provide some context, obviously, as I said, you're an author. It's, um, is it Stand Tall, Little Girl? Is the name of your book? I think is that right? Yeah, no, it, is. Yeah, it came out about a year and a half ago now. Okay. Uh, do you want to tell people just to start the ball rolling what that book's about? Yeah. So it tells the story of my recovery from anorexia. Mm-hmm. So kind of starting out with my childhood, um, kind of looking at the various things that triggered me, um, and then kind of how I managed to get myself back on track. So I actually ended up being hospitalised for a year. Okay. It talks a lot of detail about that um, and my coping mechanisms. And then I relapsed about two years ago. So I write quite openly about that as well, just because. For me, it was really important to make sure that people knew that recovery is not just something that's a straight line, yeah. um, and you're going to have ups and downs with it, but it's about kind of creating that supportive network around you and having those coping mechanisms in mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Um, and actually, for those people who know other people struggling, my mum writes kind of a couple of chapters in the book okay. um, to offer that insight for parents on actually what they could do um, and how she found it. That's great. I think that's a really you know powerful suggestion because yeah as we were just talking to mark before you came on is that you know having a support network is one of the essential characteristics of having recovery it's not just all about the person going through it um yeah, yeah. um i i think the other do you agree with the um the the sort of notion about recovery because we talked about this with mark is that recovery is always you're kind of always going to be someone that's in recovery because that's something that Mark mentioned that I strongly agree with is that you know I talk about my bipolar disorder openly on this show and I often I I say I have a mood disorder that you know it's from my childhood maybe partly genetic etc um I know that it's constantly affected me in various ways and it's just how you cope with it that way um in terms of your anorexia do you think that's the similar process for you yeah, no, definitely. I think um, I naively thought probably before I relapsed that I was 100% better. Yeah. Um, and now I know that it's kind of, I guess, a journey that I'm on, but also that to me, recovery means X, Y, Z, but to yeah. someone else, it probably means something completely different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've actually started doing over the last kind of six months, um, so one of my friends, Tallulah, she mm-hmm. recommended trying to challenge my eating disorder kind of a bit more. So I make sure that I push my comfort zone a bit with food, um, kind of have foods that I probably wouldn't normally eat because yep. I'm kind of determined to keep pushing onwards in my recovery. Yep. Um, but now I definitely think it's kind of the journey that we're always going to be on. Yeah, good. Powerful point. Yeah. Hi, Hope. It's Ricky here. Uh, thanks uh, thanks Hi, for yeah. responding on Twitter and agreeing to do this. Um, can you can you just tell our listeners, uh, go, go back to the beginning, what were those t- first telltale signs that you noticed that you, you weren't doing very well? Um, so when I was about 12 years old, I was sexually abused and had quite a messy family life going on. And for me, I, at that point, I started to skip meals and exercise a lot more because mm-hmm. it was my coping mechanism for all this other stuff going on in life. So it helped me to switch off from life and it also gave me this value and purpose. Kind of every day I'd get up in the morning and I might feel awful, but then I'd start to feel better if I exercised a bit more or stopped mm-hmm. eating. And it helped me to gain kind of a bit more control over my life, um, which I, I guess I needed back then. Um, and if I'm honest, I didn't think anything was the matter with me for probably yeah. about four, four and a bit years. I just thought it was kind of the normal thing, like I was just kind of on different diets all the time. Yeah. Um, and it became like a natural thing just to not really eat much. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually when I got uh, admitted to CAMS, 
the child adolescent mental health services and then kind of then admitted six months later to an inpatient hospital it was at that point that I thought something wasn't quite right for me mm-hmm. um, and it was the main thing that I think that made me realize was um, this whole distortion with my body image so I thought I was really big and overweight and I couldn't quite understand why people were trying to make me eat because I thought I was really big but when I realized that actually that whole distortion was going on in my head I yeah. thought maybe something wasn't quite right with me mm-hmm. And um, what uh, did you say? What what age would you say that this started happening? Like the the, the symptoms? Probably when I was about twelve, thirteen. Mm-hmm. And do you think? Because I think I, I forgive me for this being the obvious question, but I, I mean it, it's it's powerful because obviously um, I'm not certain how old you are now, but I'm just saying if you could maybe look at it objectively from when you first got the symptoms at 12 to now um do you think that the issue because I, I in my opinion i mean i'm a guy so this is an, a, a different viewpoint but i can say you know i'm about to have a daughter and obviously i've got a part i've got my partner who i think is the same thing for is that the image that women are portrayed as in like sort of mainstream media of being that you know you you um it's interesting you said being on loads of different diets is that i think the way mainstream media portrays it is that you have to be on diets and you have to be in the best shape and you have to keep working on yourself in that way do you think that contributed to you thinking you didn't have a problem yeah no definitely i think it becomes the norm to always be dieting yeah and the norm to kind of be dissatisfied with what you look like and not really happy Mm -hmm. um and then you then don't question it i think i also think that people don't understand the extent of eating disorders and don't understand quite often that they're a mental illness yeah. And so because of that, people then don't always know where to go to for support or people don't feel like they can say something to someone who might be struggling. Yeah. Hope, can I ask um, what your, when, when this was going on in your, in your, in your teenage years, what, what, what career ambitions did you have at the time? Because I'm, I'm curious to whether the eating disorder kind of influenced uh, what you had in mind to do at that time or, or vice versa, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, it is. Um, so I think back then I just I had thought about wanting to be a social worker actually. Yeah. So I was always interested in people and always interested in I guess helping other people who might be struggling. Mm-hmm. I think I realised that I wasn't very happy and yeah. I wanted to help other people who might also be unhappy. Um, but I didn't know I didn't really know what that would be back then and what mm-hmm. that would mean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess probably that was my main. The reason yeah, I asked like is, yeah, a previous guest we, we chatted to, Jenny Woolwick, who was the uh, Commonwealth um, badminton. champion badminton yeah. player, because she was wrestling with an eating disorder while she was trying to stay fit within her profession, and obviously yeah. when you're competing, then it kind of, in, in her, in her, in her um, situation, the, the, the eating disorder got out of control. Um, she still managed to do very well, credit to her, and now she's an advocate as well, as you are, but, and, but you've got this... Um, You've got this great petition on the go, Dump the Scales. Can you give the listeners a background to that, please? Yeah, no, definitely. So um, my biggest frustration with eating disorders is that, well, one of my biggest frustrations is that people associate eating disorders with someone being, like, really skinny, mm-hmm. like, looking like a skeleton, and then as soon as someone starts eating and puts on that weight and looks healthy, people think that everything's 100% okay and the person's completely cured. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that someone can look physically well, mm-hmm. but still be battling so much mentally and living yeah. like a really unhealthy, restrictive, kind of disordered eating lifestyle, but there's no support available for them. Yeah. So in 2016, when I relapsed, um, I'd lost a kind of a little bit of weight and 
ended up after four months of kind of really struggling with it, realising that I had to do something about it because I didn't want to end up back in hospital, particularly not an adult hospital. And so I referred myself to the mental health trust. And unfortunately, because I wasn't underweight at that point, there wasn't anything they could do for me. And I remember leaving that appointment. I felt really unhappy. I felt completely lost. And I felt really suicidal for kind of yeah. the next four or five weeks. And I'm lucky because I've got this support network around me who kind of pulled me to put me back on track. But there are a lot of people who don't have that. And mm-hmm. I realised that whilst kind of the clinical guidelines say that we shouldn't just be looking at someone's BMI, that's actually a huge issue across the NHS and it's something that isn't being implemented in the right way. Yeah. Um, so I launched this petition to try and change that um, mm-hmm. and also to try and, I guess, raise more general awareness around eating disorders in that they're not physical illnesses, they're mental illnesses and they are really severe and people do die from them. And actually, this, I guess the scary thing is that since launching the petition, not only have so many people got behind it, but also people have started sharing their stories and there's so many people who are just kind of stuck with no support available. They've been to their GPs, they've been to the mental health trust because they're not underweight and because there's a lack of understanding around things like the yeah. binge eating disorder. Mm-hmm. It's a really poor cr- criteria, isn't it? It's a really kind of a strange criteria to approach it because what you're, you're identifying yourself goes tell those first early signs that you recognised before when you were first ill. You, you knew what was around the corner and yet they didn't didn't fail to recognise that. Would you say that was fair? Yeah, I would. And I, I, yeah, I thought it was awful, actually. I think they're so focused on kind of waiting for someone to hit crisis point before they do anything about it. Mm. There was preventative methods, like, in place at all. Um, and it would have been really easy for me to get really me again and to lose all that weight and end up being hospitalised yeah. um, and that at, at points it felt like that would be the easy option to take. Yeah um, just to um, hope we say this constantly on the show and I actually make this sort of half serious joke that we should have like behind the radio show or on like our pages or something the word prevention just <laughs> you know flickering like lights because we're a big advocate on the show of prevention and like it's something that's just not cared about enough because you know frighteningly what you've described obviously are powerful because it's related to your story but but people who feel that they have to get to a point of no return or a point where you know what you just described is incredibly dangerous but people think that's the only way they can get the serious help because when we were talking to Mark earlier about budget cuts and saying when 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 there's no money they can only help the most in need so the reason, so the the thing that could be a short term solution, if the money and the the opportunity to get better was there, then it wouldn't be, you know, such a huge waiting list. But and and people going, well, the way I say it, the only way to get better is to get worse first, which is a horrible, you know, dangerous yeah. thought. Um, yeah, definitely. It's yeah. very similar to um, uh, you might have heard this thought, but models law that they're trying to um, essentially recognise eating disorders within the fashion world. I mean, this is this is quite close to me because I work in the rag trade as well but um, they want to you know I know in France they've banned sort of models that are under, under size 8 I think I'm right in saying um, is that something you recognise as well is this something you can work together with to, to bring eating disorders into you know the wider popular uh, awareness yeah I think so I think there's definitely a space for it there um, I think yeah I guess the worry with models is there's, I guess it's ha- there is stuff happening, but it's just not happening fast enough. Um, so, yeah, I think it is something that definitely needs to be looked into more. I think also it's important to realise that actually just because someone's really 
skinny and is a model, it doesn't make them like a healthy, they might not be healthy and they might not, also not be really attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an important message to get across actually for young people um, particularly who might be influenced to look that certain way and be that certain shape because they think it's the best way to be and if they're that shape then they'll be really successful. Mm-hmm. Is it sorry? Um, is it just important to raise as well? Because I guess maybe you can educate me in a sense. We talked about anorexia on the show actually, um, and uh, I know we talked also about is it bulim- We talked about bulimia, I think, as well with the, the guy yeah. from Scotland, um, because we wanted to have on. I don't know whether Ricky maybe not always on the show at this time, but um, we had a guy from Scotland um, because we wanted it. We wanted to go against stereotype because, as I'm sure you'll agree with this assertion, is that a lot of times you hear the word anorexia or people who, who are bulimic, it's often referred to as a as a female problem. So we wanted to break yeah, stereotypes to say, you know, that it's not just the case. And I guess this is leading to a wider point that I'm interested to hear from you about is, I guess, like, is it also worth making the point of that, you know, women have different body types and, you know, are different shapes and sizes and it doesn't necessarily mean if a woman's thin or looks thin that necessarily they have an issue, but also at the same time, you don't want them to, you know, do something drastic with their body because it's the way people are telling them to be. So, like, can you? Because I'm guess I'm asking, can you get anorexia by doing that? By you know, um, maybe you know, uh, changing your body too much and you know that kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just again that kind of temptation to then change yes. what you look like and who you are and to feel more pressured into it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes um, with some people with anorexia, I think you start you start to feel a certain way if you stop eating mm-hmm. and that kind of obsession with exercise might develop because you start to feel better about yourself. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not healthy. And I think something that I've really had to, I've really had to learn over the last kind of two years yeah. is my body shape has completely changed and yeah. I'm not always 100% happy with it and I struggle with it from time to time. But actually I'm much healthier and I'd much rather be a stronger person than I would be like stick thin and not eating. Yes. So I think it's about kind of reiterating and kind of reminding yourself of those things as well, kind of every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess because I make this joke to my partner all the time, that I know Ricky's got a question, there'll be last question with Ricky, but um, is to just say that I make this joke to my partner all the time because I mentioned in the interview with Mark, because I mentioned this on the show, is that my partner is pregnant at the minute. And so her body's obviously changing naturally. And um, But before that, when I first started going out with her, I used to always make jokes of like, well, you know, she just says like, oh, I wish my body was this, 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 and this. And I go, and I am about six one, and I'm lanky. And I always go like, well, have you seen my... I always like play the whole game of in a joking manner to make her laugh. Like, but have you seen my hips? I hate my hips. I wish my hips were different. Because I have like, <laughs> I have a weird body shape uh, for a guy. Like, I mean, I'm lanky, but I also have like a my like um my hip wide like so whenever i buy trousers i have to have the weirdest like white like <laughs> width and length of trousers so i always just like say this to make my partner feel that i go and you know you don't know what it's like what about my needs like i wish my body was different in certain situations but i say that in a loving way as well the reminder of you know she's beautiful the way she is and she doesn't have to change um and i just say yeah. you work with what you've got basically is the is the the point i'm making um i just think that's funny yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh so well, my my last question is because um, we talked pre- on a previous show about um the use of language and sometimes how we uh can falter sometimes by you know using wrong word and wrong context and stuff and and i don't know if you you might have picked up the story regarding kim Kardashian recently that she referred to as yeah. sister 
And uh, what what were your thoughts on that? And 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 I guess in a wider context, the the because she being a huge sort of social media person, what kind of message that 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 takes out? How dangerous that can be? I think it's appalling. I think that sort of messaging doesn't take anorexia or general eating disorders seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's disgraceful that people are making jokes about people who've got eating problems. I think a lot of her messaging is really dangerous. And yeah. the problem is, like you said, is that so many young people look up to her yeah. and admire her and want to be exactly like her. Mm-hmm. And there should be something done to kind of regulate the stuff that she posts, but also stuff that other kind of key celebrities and those kind of influential people post online yeah. because it can have detrimental impacts on people not only to trigger them to develop an eating disorder um, mm-hmm. but also people who are in recovery might really struggle with it as well I know a lot of her stuff is really triggering um, and I recently saw these kind of um, uh, appetite suppressor lollies that she's posted about All right. and it's things like that that people will then just look at and become obsessed with and I think that's what they should be doing if yeah. she's mm-hmm. doing it Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, we we talk about um, again. We've had we had a, a sufferer of this on the show a few couple of years ago. Now it's amazing how my memory recently, but um, yeah, about um, uh, about sort of the perception online. You know, taking pictures all the time. We had a person who was obsessed on the oh, show. Yeah. Had a person the on the show. Body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. and I don't know if it's in mental health news today with Ricky because we do a mental health section about what's been on in the news about mental health and. I was reading an appalling article last night about um, Snapchat disorder. It's um, is it Snapchat or something like that? Where okay. are the filters? You know the filters you get in on. on well, you, you can re- you can read that part of the news then. I'll yeah. All right. So I don't know who I, was in the no, thing. But sorry, Hope. What did you say? Yeah, no, I did see that as well. Where people are kind of trying to edit their faces. Um, yeah, like plastic surgery. Their faces yeah. have extra Snapchat stuff on them. Yeah, they want to look like the filters that they do. You know, the ones that got popular and actually like surgically get them done to look like that. And I mean that, like mm. you know, hope you just said eloquently because it's the same as alcohol. We've had alcoholics on the shows. That I'm so pleased you said that because you, in my, in in our experience, you know, I think you're absolutely spot on. Is that if you have something that has like a physical impact on your body is that people do not take the mental side seriously because you know another example of what you just said is alcoholics who go it's not the fact that they're taking alcohol as the issue it's the fact that they constantly want it is the issue like is in what their brain's telling them and that's what you need to solve otherwise it'll just keep happening um yeah it's another quick thing on that i noticed on um one of our biggest sort of online retailers did you have you seen that T-shirt? That it's it's more catered for the larger individual, but it says "I beat anorexia." Have you seen that? He's one? looking at me while he's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I, I was I was I was think that's incredibly poor taste as well. Just sort of uh, to imply that you know that, that you yeah. can joke about something on front of a T-shirt like that. No, yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, someone that you should and I recommend everyone looks at actually someone called Tallulah South who. Um, kind of is quite vocal in this area. She did a lot of work around the Change for Life um, Public Health England campaign last year, okay. um, kind of looking at actually all of that, even that sort of messaging that can trigger other people as well. Mm-hmm. Great. Right, unfortunately we've run out of time with you, Hope, but that was uh, um, unbelievably great to talk to you. That was really fun. Um, and just to let people be aware, the, the name of your book, Stand Tall Little Girl, um, is it available online yeah. and whatnot? Yeah, no, it's available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And the Dump the Skills petitions on is available on change.org, and, and I'll, I'll retweet yeah, that as is. well, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, please do sign in, share. Will do, yeah. I will do that. I, I signed it when it first came out because I thought it was hugely important. I will sign it when I get Amazing. home. Because yeah. um, I think that's it. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I got... I know it's not the, it's a, not 100% the same thing, but um, I think that happens a lot in any mental health-related um, issues because I was just saying to Mark in the last interview before you was that um, I, we talked about being... I was in the psychiatric ward and they cared more about weighing me than psychologically what was happening. It was all about, well, you're losing weight. We need yeah. to do this. Like, whereas, like, what's you need to help? What's going on in my head? <laughs> That's the problem, yeah. you know. But um, so so hopefully petitions like yourself and the hard work that you do and and congratulations, cause in terms of you know have um, recovering from your relapse and and yeah. and keep being strong and um, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Perfect. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank no you, problem. Thanks. Thank you. Wouldn't mind hand, ha- so hanging thanks. up hope. That would be great. Thanks, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Hope. Take care. Um, great. Well, again, fantastic. Another fantastic interview. Um, really wonderful. Um, wow. Um, this is. <laughs> and also, this is going to be our long running joke, isn't it? Every show. I think this is our best one. <laughs> you're you're nicking that from me now, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you pat- I forgot. Yeah, you you patented it, didn't you? So you want to say it then? <laughs> and we've still got another one to go. I know. Yeah, still got another fifty minutes, he's, but he's coming in at uh, quarter past. If that's all right. Oh, that's perfect because we're just about to take a break. That's so how, how do you want? When? How do you want to do mental health news? Do we? We'll just do it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll do no it. No problem. Um. So right, we're going to take a break right now because we're a little bit past uh, one o'clock. But spice don't mind as long as we play the ads at the right uh, uh, particular time so we're going to play some ads now with some music and we're going to play Come Around by Fia which is a reggae song uh, from a couple of years ago I found it on iTunes and thought it was fun I'm always pro reggae yeah so I hope you liked it I thought Riggy might like reggae (laughs) had a hunch Um, so yeah we're going to play some reggae right after these messages 24 hours a day 7 days a week Spice FM 98.8 FM the Glasses Factory stocks men's, ladies and kids' glasses in the biggest brands like Armani, Ray-Ban and Police to name but a few. Why not take advantage of the Glasses Factory two-for-one offers from £60? See for yourself. The Glasses Factory, 498 Westgate Road, Newcastle. Call 0191 273 8460. Log on at glassesfactory.co.uk or search us out on Facebook. ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਦਿਲਾਂ ਦੀ ਪੁਕਾਰ ਲੱਜ਼ਤ ਦਾ ਸ਼ਾਹਕਾਰ ਨਿਊਕਾਸਲ ਸ਼ਹਿਰ ਵਿੱਚ ਇੱਕ ਹੋਰ ਇਜ਼ਾਫਾ ਥਾ ਕਰਕੇ ਲਾਸਾਨੀ ਜਿਹਦਾ ਕੋਈ ਨਿਸ਼ਾਨੀ ਜੀ ਹਾਂ ਲਾਸਾਨੀ ਗ੍ਰਿਲ ਵੈਸਟ ਰੋਡ ਨਿਊਕਾਸਲ ਜਿੱਥੇ ਹਰ ਤਾਜ਼ਾ ਡਿਸ਼ ਤੁਹਾਡੀ ਖਾਹਿਸ਼ ਦੇ ਮੁਤਾਬਿਕ ਅੱਖਾਂ ਦੇ ਸਾਹਮਣੇ ਤਿਆਰ ਕੀਤੀ ਜਾਂਦੀ ਹੈ ਆਓ ਅਜ਼ਮਾਓ ਤੇ ਖਾਓ ਆਪਣੀ ਫੈਮਿਲੀ ਤੇ ਯਾਰਾਂ ਦੋਸਤਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਵੀ ਲਿਆਓ ਹਲਾਲ ਲਾਸਾਨੀ ਗ੍ਰਿਲ ਵੈਸਟ ਰੋਡ ਨਿਊਕਾਸਲ ਟੈਲੀਫੋਨ ਨੰਬਰ 0191272727272 ਤੇ ਫੋਨ ਮਿਲਾਓ ਤੇ ਆਪਣਾ ਆਰਡਰ ਬੁੱਕ ਕਰਾਓ ਬੱਲੇ ਬੱਲੇ ਉਹ ਨਹੀਂ ਰਿਸਾਲ ਲਾਸਾਨੀ ਦੀਆਂ न्यूकासल शहर में ग्रोसरी की दुनिया में एक ही मारूफ नाम एमए ब्रदर्स जहां पर रोजमर्रा के इस्तेमाल की हर चीज दस्तियाब है आपकी खिदमत में अरसा दराज से पेश पेश एमए ब्रदर्स रमजान मुबारक के बाबरकत महीने में अपने करम फरमाओं के लिए स्पेशल ऑफर दस्तियाब है आइए और खिदमत का मौका लीजिए एमए ब्रदर्स एज ए कोड न्यूकासल टेलीफोन नंबर 0191273 एमए ब्रदर्स same old radio sound <sighs> then you need vibrant radio spice up your life spice fm 98.8 fm
So smooth, elegant with your style. Take over my day with that smile. All I wanna know is how I make you mine. No, beauty queen she is. I never ever felt a love like this. Got me wondering what a woman like you is doing all alone. So hey, what you say? Maybe we should take some time away. Brighten up this world like it's a holiday. Come on, pretty girl, what are you say? Yes, you know me, love it when she come around, oh come around. When she come around, when she comes, get away, she come around. When she come around, when she comes, get away, she come around, get out of You're so amazing. Them other dudes that try to stick a couple lies just so they can play a couple tricks upon your mind. But I'm true when it comes down to realness. Give me your love and I'll show you the business. Take my hand and understand that, baby, I can be a better man, a better man. Take some time away Brighten up this world like it's a holiday Come on, pretty girl, what's how you say? Yes, you know me, love it when she come around Oh, come around when she come around When she comes, get away, she come around When she come around, when she comes, get away She come around, get out of the When she come around, Can do me the way you do me, love your body. You drive me crazy. You lovely lady, I feel crazy. Give me not easy. You are fit, tell me, tell me what you wanna do right now. Tell it's cruise. Tell it's cruise. Just me and you. Just me and you, boop, to take some time away, brighten up this world like it's a holiday, come on pretty girl, what are you saying, when she come around, 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 when she come around. Around by Fia. What a great song. And as I said, uh, I was just saying to Ricky um, in the break, welcome back everybody, it's ultimately sound, uh, is yeah, that uh, I found that on the top 100 reggae tracks of iTunes currently right now and just thought that sounded fun. Um, trying to trying to 
branch my horizons in terms of my music <laughs> not just rock on the show um, or, or like classics from the database so that's actually because we found a way of playing my own music I, you now. know what I was thinking I was thinking reggae reggae sauce because you know, like we're on Spice FM <laughs> that was the only thing reggae, I could bring reggae, reggae sauce reggae. Um, Levi Root have you ever had that I'm never, Levi I'm Root nah I, I, I might have tried it when it first came out because he's from Dragon's Den isn't he yeah so he got famous yeah for those that are not from the UK yeah Levi Roots was a he does reggae reggae sauce and he basically did like a song <laughs> on Dragon's Den which is all around the world so people should know what that is it's a program where you pitch your idea and people um, people uh, buy it like entrepreneurs buy a piece of it to get it made and uh, yeah he came up with a reggae reggae sauce that's now like you know Domino's sell it and stuff like that and yeah, must have made quite a good amount of money yeah. but yeah that's not my not my thing because it's like anything like barbecue because it's a brown it's a brown is it? so it's like a brownie so it's not barbecue but it's like Oh, is it like a jerk, jerk sauce? Yeah, that you have it with? Yes. yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. I mean, I know he, he does different flavors now, but when the first right. one, the okay. first one was that, yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, huge thank you to Mark and to Hope. They were fantastic interviews. We're talking about this during the break. Um, and uh, another thing I wanted to mention because I forgot to throughout the show is if you want to contact us, um, it's at underscore mentally sound is our tweets. Um, so if you want to ask us a question, I know I should have said that in the interview, so I apologise. Um, Spice also has a we- um, WhatsApp, which is 07881988988. Uh, that's 07881988988. So you can contact us through that, but pr- preferably Twitter because we have Twitter open right in front of me, so I can read any tw- tweets if you want. So if you've got any questions about mental health, about any of the stuff that we've just talked about, you can feel free to ask us a question or follow us if you want. I'm at geek um, apo- at, geek, at geek underscore apocalypse, and Ricky's at vivid Ricky on the tweets as well, and our Facebook page is mentally sound. Uh, Facebook page um, so yeah you can find us on all the uh, social mediums um, but yeah so we're currently waiting for um, Amia who uh, runs uh, the, the the beacon the diner at the beacon it's the, the, the cafeteria that I had that very nice pasta um, but yeah he's not currently here right now so me and Ricky are just going to um, finally get a chance to cap- catch up because this last <laughs> like hour this last like, hour and 20 minutes have just absolutely flown by you know yeah. like Ricky's uh, tucking into a yogurt right now it feels like how it's doing now we should put our feet up and so like <laughs> so so Sal <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Can I just man. quickly mention, because yes. I was going to mention at the start of the show, but oh, I've got... Oh, yogurt, sorry. It's, it's the coffee, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, got a, I got a cab on the way here, right. and uh, a shout-out to David, who I, I said um, to, to <laughs> listen like to the show. Feels like we're being paid. <laughs> no, 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 no. Shout-out to this particular taxi company, yeah. and may I say it's the greatest taxi company. <laughs> if he's listening, you know who he is, yeah, but, okay. but we... we um, so when he when I was telling him where, where I'm off to... So we had we had a discussion about mental health and 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 um, particular suicide actually, oh. and he revealed to me that, that two of, two of his friends colleagues had sadly uh, took their lives. So I think it just it just goes to show just how prevalent it, this issue is out there. And, but does it know. not? I mean, uh, uh, does it not frustrate you sometimes that when people say like, "Oh, it's such a shame," but no one does anything about it? That's the thing. Well, you know most. what? You're right. Which yeah. is why I loved a previous interview we had with the dementia group, the Alzheimer's Northeast, because yes. because they were almost uh-huh. tired of yeah. they were yeah. they were kind of tired of the word awareness, so they changed their action, and I, and I, and I thought that's a really good that's a really Take good. Seat. Um, we, were just, we were vamping until he got here I mean. um, but you can't. do you know what I mean the, instead of changing them from awareness to action 
And mm-hmm. I thought that was a great, uh, you know, because, yeah, ha- how, how long do we have to raise awareness now? Surely let's go, let's turn to action. I know, well, um, I was going to say it tomorrow because it was such a powerful interview. I was going to mention about the killed by my death thing because I still think about oh, that yeah, documentary, yeah. Uh, well, the drama, dramatised version, because mm-hmm. um, that was a great example of the stuff he was talking about. And, yeah, it's just silly because it's just like, you know, like, um, you know, because Celebrity Love Island just finished. I know I've, you, I, I know I don't want <laughs> I know I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it long, I promise. But, um, you know, did you, we talked about it, I think, didn't we? That there was a, a last used to be on it who committed yeah, suicide. Yeah. And, then I, and then our partner committed suicide over it. And it was just like, and when you hear the people mentioned it, you were just, there was, the, the, the reaction is just, oh, that's such a shame. Mm. But yet, I don't think people realise how, how prevalent it is and how, mm. how like, you know, a single life is significant. And I think and the, like, the, the cabbie David was alluding to that the, yeah. the, 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 one, of the, one of the reasons that one of his friends took his life because... It all it all came through like losing your job, and it led to a kind of a, a domino effect where you yeah. lose your self esteem and and so forth. Well, and I don't think people realise just the impact something like that has on a person. Well, that's the supposedly you know it's a bit like um and I will get sorry I mean I'll we'll get to you in a second is that that um I just wanted to say about because me and. Uh, me and Haley shows how great Haley is as we sat and watched the Robin Williams documentary that just came I out I watched that and I was going to mention that alright fantastic loved it unbelievable loved it. unbelievable come very inside honest. my mind it was cool yes very honest um, yeah uh, yeah. fortunately um, Haley's got like all on demand stuff so we watched it on that and uh, it was, I, I was so pleased she went oh I want to watch it and I'm like you're the best partner ever I downloaded, um, I downloaded it yes. yeah, and it also has Andre the Giant's documentary on it yes. so I will get round to it I'll yes, get round to that yes, yes. Um. But anyway, so we watched that, and the, the, I really, really liked that they talked about the Parkinson's mm. at the end. I mean, obviously, you know, because it's a sad story. I don't mean I like it in that sense, but it's just really, ultimately, he gave up because he didn't know how to handle it, and the medication wasn't quite right. Because what um, Bobcat Golfweight said was one of his best friends that he said, like, you'll have good days and bad days, and it made me think about it. I got quite sad, actually, because it reminded me of my mom, mm-hmm. but then it made me realise that, like, he wasn't in the situation my mom was in, and that it's all about getting the medication I rem- right I think one of the running themes of it, which which kind of touched on me, was this overriding fear of losing people. Yes. He was hanging around John Belushi when he died. Christopher uh, Reeve, yeah. one of his best friends. People around his, his wife, his wife, his wife losing, died as yeah, well. Yeah. So anyway, but... It's Suddenly got a bit depressed. But what, watch it. Watch yes, it, watch yes. the documentary. It's fantastic. Anyway, Amir, hello, Hi. sir. Hello. Uh, do you want to lean in a bit? Yeah, so of course. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, how are you, first of all? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Great. Just, yeah, busy, full of busy. Yeah, it looks busy. A lot of things um, going on. You're going to be really pleased because I've been like doing, doing a little bit of like uh, free advertising for you because I had some pasta before like, okay. your, from your place and it was very, very nice. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, thank and you. I just be, I've just i been joking throughout before you came on yeah. going, before Amir comes on, he didn't pay me for this. <laughs> I, I didn't get a free pasta. I paid yeah. with my own hard-earned money and it was very, very nice. That's um, great. So it's yeah. helped me through the show. Thank you. Um, but yes, yeah, so how have you been since you last been on? Yeah, uh, really good actually. Um, uh, the charity side of what we're doing here is really tough off now great uh, Feed the Need is registered charity now fantastic oh. um, do you mind listeners what that's about what, what uh, the background basically is basically what we're doing is we're basing it on um, I've been feeding local families in need uh, basically it could be through benefits being stopped uh, yeah. not being entitled a uh, shortage of food uh, poverty mm-hmm. so families uh, get referred from agencies like you know the Red Cross Action for Children uh, at Christmas we've had 160 people from the food bank wow. and just from support workers wow. so that's been a passion of mine for mm. over a year uh, to basically become a part of the community 
We um, and, and 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 then of course we set up the charity feed the need. So now we're actually addressing holiday hunger, hmm. whereby uh, children who are getting free school meals are missing out on that in the summer holidays. Yeah, so we're currently supplying thirty meals a week. That's fantastic. Just to start with, we're going to go building up on that. Yeah. So this is our first pilot program. Yes. To address this issue, which is faced nationwide. Of course, it's yeah. It's been covered a lot in the press lately. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been in the news recently that that, yeah. that some schools uh, are, are having to remain open just to feed those yeah. vulnerable yeah, families. Yeah, so, is, so you've you've had families actually come to you in the in the, in the holidays of the year? Uh, no, we've actually been supplying meals to uh, an organisation. I won't I won't mention them without discussion. Okay. But yeah, yeah. What it is basically, kids go down and play sports when they get. Food. Right. Okay. And the food is nutrition as well. We have, we've had a dietitian on board, right, uh, to make sure the, the, the macros are the, the, the healthy. Thing yeah, it's mess. not just mess. Yeah. 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 Oh, that makes yeah. great sense. Cause I mean, like, I, I'm pleased you said that because I do remember you talking about that when it started. But now mm-hmm. that it's a registered charity, it's it pretty is, darn yeah. good. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. how how much t- how much of it of it of that of your time does it take up now? Is it got? It actually. I'm actually, I possess these skills on processes. I'm always continuously throughout my life, I look for the quickest and most effective way to do things. Yes. It might take me months. Okay. But I find the most effective way to do them. Yeah. So I can just look at certain scenarios and say, look, in, in, in most areas, look, this is an easy way, easier mm-hmm. way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it doesn't take up that much time because we have a great board as well. Uh, you know, we've managed to commandeer Bill Midgley, who, who sits on a lot of boards. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great. He's come on as our chair. Great. Uh, um, we've got Monju from Tunit. He's one of our trustees. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shella Rashid, who's a business owner here, great at organising events. We've got Asad Haroon, who is uh, an accountant. So mm-hmm. it's, it's slowly building up. Slowly great. Okay. It's exciting times. Yeah. Mike, I was because I know that of your you have a psychotherapy background. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, counselling. And have you used that sort of skill to identify vulnerable people in the community? That now that you have this charity, do you sort of recognise the a common theme, a problem, um, maybe a breakdown in in the, the household, which is why they've had to have extra help by yours? It, it, it can. I mean, historically, I think we spoke about it the last time, but mm-hmm. I mean, to, you know, to, uh, sticking on this point, it has been identified about the cognitive impairment that, mm-hmm. can, occur, that can occur because of lack of uh, nutrition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, some of us, as we get older, we function on a coffee. Yeah. But we know what that will do. We automatically react in that way. Yeah. Kids yeah. don't possess that skill. Yeah. Yeah. To be lethargic, overactive, everything, and so yeah, it's 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 it. I feel it's it's a grounding counselling, therapy, psychotherapy, psychology is a grounding for most mm-hmm. most of the things that we do in life. Mm-hmm. Um, whether how people go there is or how they got to that position, I mm-hmm. think is a is another you know minefield, mm-hmm. another great area that needs to be explored. Yeah, because I was going to say to you, because I was talking about my my mom in, is in a situation mm-hmm. like, you know, because she's went through a period of being unwell, mm-hmm. is that she's, it, she comes across as, as lost the ability to, to, like, fulfill her basic requirement to, like, look after herself. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just thinking, as you were describing that, I can give an example from my own life as well, where... You know, with I have bipolar disorder, and I was ex- and I explained to my partner who I've seen for about a year now, and mm-hmm. and I, I I say to her all the time that um, I'm aware when I've not ate properly, and I'm aware when I'm not I'm needing to eat because my mood fluctuates really badly when I don't eat properly. That's right. mm-hmm. That's um, right. And so I, I guess the reason I'm asking you the the question I want to ask you is I, I feel fortunate in a sense because if I didn't have the tools and the skills, and I haven't learned to be that way my mood like helps me understand that food is yeah. important mm-hmm. so do you think though that there's people like in particularly with the people that you come across are people who 
um, don't have the skills and have not learned that like food and nutrition like you were just describing is like fundamental to you know whether it be a mood disorder or yeah. just you know life uh-huh. and frustration uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff do you find that it's common it, 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 it is common but I believe I, f- I feel it, it, it t- needs a lot more explaining than that okay when we are restricted by finances, etc., problems, yeah. you know, anything else, loss, we were all talking about, everything else. The, the, these sort of impact in such a way that the last thing on the agenda is food. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very so, yeah. Um, you know, basically, uh, we're in a bad mood. People, people call it comfort eating. It's actually comfort food. It's just convenient food. I, yes. I would suggest that it's convenient food. Yeah. It's easy to stick a pizza in the oven, this and that, rather than making a nutritional meal. So you're right, food is the first thing to go to the wayside, nutritional food. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in a sense, you have it raised awareness by the sense, you know, the, your mood is affected by what you eat. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, I've actually, my staff, friends and family turn off this, is like me, me seeing slightly getting irritated and I'll <laughs> well, give him something to eat. And yeah. you know, a lot of the time they're right, but sometimes yeah. they're wrong. So yeah, you know, yeah. And of course that adds to the frustration <laughs> of, well, point. you know, this isn't the issue. Yes. I can relate to that because when, in the height <laughs> of my, when my sort of illness was, was, was manifesting <laughs> in me, the first thing I gave up was food. I just didn't yeah. want to eat. Yeah. And I think even my, my, my family, specifically <coughs> my mum, would recognise this, which is why whenever, whenever she rings, the before she even asks how I am, mm-hmm. she says, have you eaten? <laughs> because she knows that that yeah. was an intri- in- instinctive, like, you know, thing that I would drop when my mood was, you it's know. I, d- I don't even think it's instinctive. It's, it's, you know, basically, it's how the mind is processing things. Yeah. We know... We're, we're, we're sort of governed in such a way, we're modelled, we know how to act in a certain way, conditioned even, that we need to get up in the morning and have breakfast, this, this and this. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're ruminating on things all night and you're not sleeping properly, yeah. and the first thing is actually sleep. So you miss out on that meal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And of course, then that yeah. has the knock-on effect of yeah. you being hungry by the afternoon, by the time you might have got a little bit of energy mm-hmm. from the place that you're mm-hmm. at, yeah. just to, to, to get more sleep. Yeah. So as soon as you're in a part of recovery, it's the tiredness that takes over first. Mm-hmm. Food is over secondary. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? That because uh, you're so right. Because I think if you you got to have some. Uh, what I I mean, uh, this may not be for everybody, but I do think it it is healthy to have somewhat of a routine in some senses. Yeah. Because yeah. like with sleep in particular, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I find that people get like you you your routine is based on like when you decide or what time you sleep and stuff like that and like for example some people I said to me mom and this changed very well for example is that my mom who's obviously elderly she does nap during the day which yeah. I think is totally okay but what she was doing was actively going to her bed and sleeping and I and I, and then when she got into bed after I realised she was doing that she couldn't understand why when she got to bed a few hours later that I and I went because you're teaching your brain yeah. that you're not ready mentally to mm-hmm. go to bed at the time that you normally are mm-hmm. because they, they, your brain's now going well bedtime must be three hours earlier mm-hmm. um, so I just think like you said people just monitor, like get around that by I'll just sleep in appropriate times and yeah, you know course, it is, yeah. isn't it? it's not a good place to be I yeah. mean, myself if I'm I, I actually turn my mobile off at nine o'clock every night good if I'm in a good place yeah then I'll be asleep by ten but good. I get up about four thirty five thirty yeah five o'clock around about that time I'm awake had a good sleep I can't lie in bed, but also I suffer like everybody else from when we when we just about to nod off and this thought creeps up and we can't sleep all night. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in that instance, when that happens, my diet suffers everything the next day. The 
the uh, thing that works for me in this situation is I've developed a technique by, I don't know if other people use it, deconstructing. Mm-hmm. When our thoughts go wild, as you was knowing, they'd have a chance, uh, you know, a tendency to run away with themselves. Yeah. Is to deconstruct it, your thought pattern back to where it started. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, 99.9% of the time, it comes to the fact that this happened during the day and I didn't process it and I left it and I said I would deal with it later and all of a sudden last night you know you go to bed and you think of fried eggs and the next thing you're talking about you know yeah. some kind of big loss yeah so yeah this is the technique I use it might take me three four o'clock to get to that point yeah yeah but I do get to it yeah eventually so you know. yeah and it helps you just deal with it I can give you a, I can give you a really good example about this this morning as I got a phone call related to my mom because she's currently in a care home but it's looking for assisted housing and uh, she rang me and said oh I'm not feeling that particularly great and um, I got annoyed I got annoyed that she'd rang me mm. and I thought that's a strange reaction mm. and I was like so I processed what it was I was talking to my partner about this on the way here and I literally she was like I was literally just like in through messages on the phone going like I'm really annoyed and then I'm like I was literally through sentence and words and I learned this in therapy figuring out going through like line by line like what well, she said this 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 and this mm-hmm. and then I figured out what it was mm-hmm. and I just realised it was like she's ringing me when she's in a care place and she said halfway through the conversation and I was just trying to deal with her issue that she said I, I, I want I didn't I was I, I didn't want to tell the carers I wanted to tell you yeah. and I'm going that annoyed me because I'm like she knows where I'm going and I'm going to do this show mm-hmm. and I, I mean I'm annoyed in a, in a superficial sense but I, I figured out why I was annoyed and I dropped it because I went okay that's why I'm annoyed but I have no reason to be annoyed long term over that so I let it go but it's fine if you don't know what it is how can you like, how can you push yeah, it to one side yeah. you know right, it's kind right of hard. Is, it? you know yeah. what, it, what it basically is, is when, now that you're talking about parents in that yeah. sense is that traditionally and it is, I wouldn't even say it's cultural anymore, that we have a responsibility for our parents, yeah. that we should be able to look after them because they looked after us. Yes. This is it, with all cultures, everything else. Of course. I mean, a lot more Asian with the, with the more constructive the nuclear family. Yeah. But what I would suggest to yourself is, the fact that that statement was made, there's another part that's uh, a sense of helplessness. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're actually getting approached by something which you can't do anything about. Yeah, yeah. And once where you know our minds wandering on other things, and you are my reactions, the irritation. Yeah. The irritation of ourselves, but we yeah, don't know yeah. why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is the point that you know the the people that we looked up to are infirm now, and they need help, and they need help with the most simplest of things. It's it it is a loss, as you guys were discussing. Yeah. It's a form of a loss of an image that we have. Yeah. Which is crumbling away in front of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And it's just uh, it's just get it's accepting it and everything. So every phone call you're getting isn't going to be a positive. Yeah, yeah. It's actually taking a little bit of way mm-hmm. of this, this individual, these people, our loved ones, which which are in his life. Yes. Who are slowly starting to lose parts and you know. Of yeah, themselves absolutely. No, I, I, I completely understand that. Yeah. Going that's back that. to our relationship with food, um, mm-hmm. we we just had a discussion about eating disorders, but mm-hmm. you, you said com- you mentioned comfort food there, mm-hmm. and we talked about people when when we when we have a negative thought, we drop food. But there's also the other side where people choose to go to food as their comfort zone, and they yeah. and they become reliant mm-hmm. on. And then, you, then you know, when obviously when something like that happens, you know, then then you notice you notice significant change, you know, putting on weight, so on. Mm-hmm. 
But when it's in the press, then it becomes a national discussion. Then you have the naysayers who call it, oh, well, you're just greedy, you're lazy, and you, mm. you, you, you know, that's the reason you're... What, what's your reaction to that? Because I always think that's really unfair. Cause Ooh, they, don't, I mean, they don't know what go, what's, what's going on in their life, to, which is why they've turned to what essentially is a, a food addiction, isn't it? I mean, I would, I would like to suggest something that needs to be discussed here. It, it, to myself... You know, I'm I'm putting this out there. The fact that you know whether you're suffering from weight loss mm-hmm. or weight gain, it's an association that you have with your body, which you're not happy about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, we have unfortunate people who, who are in the position of suffering from anorexia. Yeah, I read about a case a long time ago about a therapist. There, uh, this girl was she'd been in therapy for a long time. She was dying from anorexia. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't eat, and she was in the hospital. The, basically last rights, everything else. And this therapist went in to see her and asked for her association with anorexia. This is a demon. Mm-hmm. And it transpired that she had grown such an attachment to, you know, the place that she was at, you know, with anorexia, that what was in fact damaging for her, she processed, she didn't understand how much damage it was actually doing and it was a very simple term that saved her life, the therapist said, do you think anorexia is your friend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not. No. So at this point she had to, once you use it, it's it's we could say it's a dichotomy of, you know, friend-enemy Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as that, but you're saying an enemy, a friend. So that dichotomy, it gives you the opposite to, to think, hold on, this is actually hurting me. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's not I that I'm hurting myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like another, I, I often describe it as like yeah. another el- uh, entity, entity almost. Yeah. And the same with, yeah. you know, people put on weight, the more weight they put on, they get yeah. in a catch-22 situation, yeah. the more unhappy they get with yeah. themselves. Yeah. And the thing is, when it's portrayed, you know, as obesity or anything else, health issues, then of course there's more negativity thrown into it. Mm. I know culturally, back in, I think, back in Asia, size mattered. If you were a big man, it was a sign of wealth. Yeah. yeah. I know that very well. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, you know, then the bigger you are, uh, the more prettier your wife was yeah. and the more wealthy you were. Prosperous, yeah. yeah. Prosperous. Yeah. And yeah. Pot belly was seen as like yeah. a sign of... Uh, you were yeah. fed yeah. well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this <laughs> is how, how times change. Yeah. Uh, the girl you mentioned off Love Island, uh, she was a friend of mine for 17 years. Oh, really? Years. Yeah, so oh, really? We were back 17 years. Oh, God. Great okay. girl. Was she uh, from around the yeah, West End? Newcastle. She won Miss what? Newcastle and Miss England. West End, was she around? No, they're from Pontine. Pontine. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, was, that's right. Yeah, but she was, I mean, you know, she she actually went through everything, you know, um, mm. the, the the fame and everything else. Mm. Yeah. So, and, and going on this is, of course, we've heard about food attachment to people who are in the limelight as well, mm-hmm. you know, model everything else, the association mm-hmm. that they have with it. Mm. But wow. I think it is mostly the demands placed on of what we process as by the media and what's expected of us. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a phone in our recent team not, not long ago on this very discussion. They were mm-hmm. talking about obesity and, you know, you had the naysayers talking about, you know, being a burden on the NHS, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I always remember her, her call because it, it kind of changed my, my way of thinking about it as well. So she was a large lady mm-hmm. and she was getting all this kind of flack and everything, but she, she was very, it was the most brutally honest phone call I've probably ever listened to. Mm-hmm. She said, the reason I am what I am is because when I was, when I was younger, I was abused. Yeah. Can't remember who it was, probably a, a father, mm-hmm. stepdad, something like yeah. that. And she was so petrified of that happening again mm-hmm. that she deliberately made herself look 
as unattractive as possible to, to ward off any more potential. And that, and that was a revelation to me. And I just think, you know, we, we, we so need to talk about this more to make people realise just what's going on behind the scenes there because it's so easy to judge these days, isn't it? it kind of course of it is. And, you know, you're right, that is actually a lot more common than you think that is off account. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be A number of clients would be in that position and how they, in a sense, it's, it is as, it's, it's a form of a drug. Yeah, that it's self-medicating. Exactly. You know, you you you're taking some kind of painkiller mm -hmm. in the sense, and that was numbing the pain mm -hmm. for ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate because we're not really taught how to process these these type of feelings and how and you know yeah. how to develop in a healthy way. Yeah. And of course, as abuse, it, uh, it stunts the growth uh -huh. of anyone. It's enough mm -hmm. to do that. In Anyway, um, I mean, amazing talk again, and it's really, really nice to have you on again. Yep. Um, I just to wrap things up because we've got to play some ads again. Is to just say, um, is there anything else other than um, feed the need that you're working on? You'd like to tell people about? Or? Hey, no, it's just this feed the need initiative. Actually, that's taking on a lot of time at the moment. But you know, uh, is that on Facebook? Does it have an online presence yet? Uh, we're just starting. Just starting it, actually, okay. it actually started really quickly because I'm not very uh, computer orientated. I actually, don't even like computers to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Don't. <laughs> Detect getting a new phone drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, I'm going. Uh, for my I'm totally with you. I've got yeah. to get a new phone because no, mine is breaking down. And I, I'm I'd rather do without. I'm <laughs> so stressed. I'm <laughs> so stressed. Yeah. I'm getting like my partner. It's really refreshing to see you hear that yeah. view now. Yeah, 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 I mean, I, I disagree with computers. I was getting so much flack for my old phone. I eventually had to relent and get. Yeah, it. I'm going to yeah, do yeah, the same thing now because mine's just. It's not. I, I would. I want to. I'm waiting till my phone's like dropping off before doing it, but I have to do it now because. Anyway, well, um, Feed the Need is a fantastic thing, and obviously, as I said, you can find Amir yes. uh, here at the Beacon uh, through um, Dine at the Beacon uh, Cafe, which is just literally right outside Spice FM. So, huge thank you for coming on. Thank you very and, much, uh, guys. We'll Keep up the yeah. great thank discussion. You. Come on again. We'll be helping a lot of people. Cheers. Of course they are. Right, thanks. Take care. Take care um, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Um, right, so what we're going to do is we're going to play a quick song. We're going to play All Right Now by Free, because I thought we mentioned to me mom. I know it's one of her favourite songs, so we're going to play that now, and then we're going to come back for a little bit quick uh, mental health news right after this.
he's like to think he's all right now because you're listening to Mentally Sound <laughs> <laughs> right here on Space FM 98.8 FM as I said that was my mum's favourite song and obviously as we said as we've mentioned my mum a little bit throughout the show should be Mentally Sound then dot 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 alright now question mark so can you just go and shut the door properly because um, I can hear the I can hear the kids outside it sounds like we're getting like our own choir sorted or something it was like it was weird that. <laughs> and yeah like the choir version alright um, they really they were that they were dancing away all right now there, but um yeah so huge thank you to Mumia that was fantastic as I said down at the beacon feed the need, um so if you're running in a situation where you need um you know meals for the school holidays or whatever it may be he's the you know he says he works for organisations he can't do it directly, but um yeah um fantastic organisation and he's a really really nice guy as we've mentioned we've had him on the show before being he's also an ex psychotherapist as well so. Um, what a unbelievable show for guests. I mean, it's absolutely flew by. The documentary guys have took a bit of a break now um, because they were filming mainly the first hour. Mm. Um, as, as I mentioned, just in terms of social media, at underscore mentally sound is our tweets. Um, I'm at geek underscore apocalypse, and Ricky is at vivid Ricky. Um, and we're on mentally sound Facebook uh, if you want to uh, check us out there as well. Um, but yeah, so I guess for the last 10 minutes, well, 10, 10, 12 minutes we have left on the show, is we usually do mental health news at 1 o'clock, but obviously as, as if you've listened from 12 o'clock, we've been a bit rammed uh, in terms of having no time to breathe, so we thought we'll do a 10 minute uh, version of um, mental health news to wrap up the show, so it's time for, I, you know what it is, I'm, I, I, I almost did a jingle for this, I, I really should, we'll do a jingle, and I can just, because now, now I can put files on the database, I can, uh, I'll, I'll put them with a jingle and I'd be like <laughs> something like that yeah okay there's my yeah, there's my freestyle version. followed by my best yeah. Trevor McDonald impression yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and it'll, it'll start with like one of them really long like yeah. bell related ones like <laughs> but I think when we leave mentally when we leave mentally sound at the last or sometimes when we don't have time to do it it's it, it's a sign that the show has been really good and jam packed. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's important, and we don't want to not do it. But um, it's we we actually have we act we essentially have to adhere to the guests because the yeah. guests is as today's episode is a prime example. You know, me and Ricky obviously have stuff to talk about and we have our own opinions, but we want to crowbar it in with yeah. with with guests. And you know, if you get guests to you know we don't even need prompting and just start talking and they're the best ones you know I'm a firm believer in you know just speaking your mind and you mm-hmm. know these have been unbelievable guests so, so and obviously great tribute to Ricky he's the one who books the guests so um, congrats thank to you. you done really well thank you very much um, yeah so fire away with uh, mental health news okay so um, yeah we, we discussed suicide before and so we're, we're going to start off with a very sad sad story um now, Margot Kidder, she's the uh, Superman actress who played Lois Lane. Oh, the yeah, the, the, from the 80s, yeah, yeah the 80s version. The late 70s and yes. 80s, yeah. So she, she unfortunately passed away back in May, I believe. But it was only yesterday that they, 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 the, 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 was it the coroner, the, the coroner said that, yeah, it was sadly it was suicide. Oh. Um, it was, it was through a, a drug and alcohol overdose. Um, mm. Now, I, I, when I first heard of her passing, it, it, it did. I did fear this because I know that she, 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 she was bipolar. Oh, right. She was a, <coughs> an advocate for a, a lot of the time. Um, wow. One famous episode in in '96, she, um, she, she went through a very 
paranoid. Uh, she had a very paranoid episode, which which made the news that she uh, she was found living on the streets. She she was uh, she was under the impression that she was being watched, and uh, but she recovered and she became an advocate. And um, yeah, um, it's it's sad because I thought she was in a good place. The last time I saw her uh, in in public was when um, do you remember when regarding Superman? You you might know better than this, but the they they found the old footage of Superman two what was originally was going to be made and then they kind of brought it out and fixed it together. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, So she was doing a lot of the promotion for that, and mm-hmm. uh, I actually prefer that new. Uh, the I've heard that that the better the, yeah that they did a better version. Yeah. That, that happens a lot, unfortunately. Because they had they had Brando in because they cut him out in the second yes, one. Yes, that's, right, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's so right. She yeah. was doing the rounds for that, and she ah, was cool. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a real shame. Um, I thought you were going to say, I don't know if it, this is in your news, but I I just I just was so. It, it, it's so I couldn't read the whole article it's, and it's very rare for me I think Ricky knows have known me a long time I can read a lot of stuff and I'm and I'm like I just take it with a pinch of salt but did you hear about the golfer who just gave up as um he died he died a couple of days ago um it was, it was it's, I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I don't remember his name and because I, I, I'm not a golfing fan so I don't know the person's name but I'm sure I have people googling this now will know who I mean but he was a golfer on the main tour and he had leukemia a few years ago and he recovered he then got it again a, a year ago and he, everyone knew he was in treatment and he mm-hmm. was still trying to golf mm-hmm. and he basically announced like a week ago out of nowhere he just went I'm no longer accepting therapy and I'm going to get palliative care he just stopped oh, and he yeah. told his family obviously and he just went I'm going to now do palliative care because my body's went for enough right. and I, I, I'm not well yeah. and I just I don't want to do this anymore so um, but in a very thought out way of um, just, there's no hope for me mm-hmm. so I just want to die gracefully basically okay. um, and it was so hard to read through because he had a statement from his wife um, and he died a couple of days ago oh, okay. uh, he only lasted like a week because once he stopped the chemotherapy it just it took him over it sounds like um, a young, young he was guy. only 35 mm-hmm. um, something like 35 yeah and I was like oh it's so sad he had two little daughters and obviously was, I guess maybe I'm a bit emotional because I'm becoming a dad but mm-hmm. that, and not that that matters because not that that matters in the in the scale of every life is important. Yeah. Um, I don't really, you know, it's like me and Haley joke about this. My partner, that you know, we we're now noticing when we go to supermarkets and stuff like baby on board stickers because apparently if your grandma is in it in the car, it doesn't matter. But like a baby on board, <laughs> baby on board, you know, maybe drive a little bit more carefully. I'm like, how about we all drive carefully and not bash into? I know people. it's not strange. It's just a stupid thing. Um, so, so there's like, no baby on board in the car head, so I'm, I can happily like plow, a, in, plow into you. Yeah, and also, like, a joyrider who yeah. goes that fast anyway sees a baby on board stick. I oh, I'm awfully sorry. Yeah. I'll, I, will, I will slow down for your benefit. <laughs> I'm like, that's not going to change people's minds. It just isn't. It's just, um, as... I think it was Lee I Evans. I think somebody put them signs in room 101. One yes, I was going to say. And I think there's a, I think it's Lee Evans or something does a routine going. It's basically you're just... Oh, it was um, Kirsty Young. It was Kirsty Young because Kirsty Young says it's basically... I Angus Deaton or something. I might have done as well because they, okay, they, yeah. they commonly sometimes put yeah, the same stuff in. Yeah. We're on about the old room 101 series, by the yeah. way, the one with um, Nick Hancock and Pullman. Um, but yeah, Kirsty Young did it. I remember because I remember she did a funny line going. It's basically a sign just announcing your fertility. <laughs> <laughs> it's got nothing to do with baby on board. Yeah. Just going, yeah, baby's on board. The old, the old I'm things. All man, I'm all man. Yeah, man. I've yeah. got a healthy count. It all worked. It all worked. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> got my got my partner up the dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look okay, at me. So uh, anyway, anyway, this is not a, this is not a bad or, or or I don't mean this in a condescending kind of like um yep 
uh, segue, but um, we're going from one superwoman to another one, almost literally, because I think she's amazing. Serena Williams. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, I don't know, just a quick one. I think she's probably... Would you? What's your opinion? Uh, who, if, if you were to say, who, who do you think is the most fantastic female athlete of all time? I think she's probably on top of my list. Uh, are you meaning just in tennis or overall? All time, I guess. But I do always think tennis because I would also say Martina Navratilova. I was going to say, I would, I would, yeah, out of tennis, that's Steffi the Graf, only one. Uh, the only one I could think of would be Martina. But I, I do. Th- um, I, I don't know whether we're, this is where you're going with this, but I saw an interesting thing on. By the way, we've got like four minutes left, but three minutes left. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, I just wanted to make this quick point. If you, I don't know whether this is you going with this, Ricky, but I saw an interesting comparison between her and Tiger Woods, and like. And I think she made this because when she was getting criticism in the media, uh, was going, "Isn't it interesting? I am like uh, what I would like to think a really good role model and won more titles than anybody else in the women's game, mm-hmm. and yet you compare me to somebody like Tiger Woods who did all these unbelievably bad things yeah. in his personal life, and yet gets treated, yeah. you know, like royalty, whereas she kind of like gets completely forgotten about." Point, yeah. Um, I, I think that's that's completely true. Yeah. Um, I do. So if that's where you were going. Um, it wasn't I actually, completely agree. <laughs> very uh, quickly, she um, yeah, she put thing. a she put a, an Instagram uh, post saying ah that, yes, because uh, we discussed it on the show before. Because I think EastEnders covered it postpartum psychosis, which is like a oh, okay kind of similar to postnatal depression, but it's like saying she was saying it's okay not to be okay, and she was like saying despite her fantastic comeback through you know straight almost straight after motherhood to get back into the game again. Um, that there were times when she did struggle, and you know, yeah. just being honest about it, so put on her. Yeah, so it's just sort of like about because I know she's an advocate as well, because this is a good comparison to what we've been talking about, but body shape. Yeah. Because obviously she's got quite a you know yeah. hourglass figure, yeah. Yeah. which is very similar to my partner, and I think that's I, I like hourglass bodies. Um, yeah. I, I hate. Um, no, it's not hate. It's not the right word. But you know what I mean? I just I, I don't like um, people being too skinny or whatever it is. It, it, you know, because it's unhealthy. That's what I'm, I mean. I mean hate. It's so last story, very quickly. Uh, okay, uh, Costa mm-hmm. Coffee. Um, yep. Don't you heard this one? But they're introducing chatter and natter tables. Oh, really? It's basically, they've got a segregated table for people who go who are kind of going in for a coffee or a tea, and they're on their own, and they'd like to have a, a bit natter with somebody. That's cool. So there's a designated table, so you can just go over and chat to anyone who. Fancy so if there's someone there. sitting on their own, you can go and have a chat with yeah. them. That's a good idea. They rolled it out to 100 uh, over 100. Well, no, hang on. Uh, already 100 independent coffee uh, uh, places, cafes are already doing this, but Costa are doing it to 300 across the country. I don't know how many up here. Very mm. interesting to find out. Uh, they did a trial back in April in 25 stores, proves the sex successful, which is why they're doing it. And it can take up to five minutes to an hour, depending how much time you have. Great. And the idea was of a, a lady called Alexandra Hoskin, I think her name is, mm-hmm. who herself felt lonely. She was a single mother. And she sped, spotted a, an elderly lady and she spotted a, a guy with, I think, who was his carer. And she just thought, well, these people obviously need company. It'll just Great. make the world a difference. And Great idea. It's rolled out. Great. Great way of wrapping things up because we've got a minute left. So that gives me enough time. It's to good to end on a good one. End yeah. on a good note. Yes, exactly. Because um, I, I wanted to make this quick joke as we're ending, and I'm going to say thank you to our guests and obviously to Ricky, is um, what's trending right now is Mike Ashley buying House of Trip Fraser, and it leads me to the quote <laughs> of, at least he's buying something because it isn't players. <laughs> um, but <laughs> just just. Uh, my theory of because we never mentioned about the uh, transfer dealings of Newcastle because it ended yesterday. I watched it, nothing happened. We bought a centre back. Anyway, 
So, huge thank you to everyone who's listened to the day's show. Huge thank you to our guest, to Hope Virgo, who's about anorexia and our book stand tall little girl. Mark Edwards, who's an MBA vicar, volunteer ambulance, who did the book Life After Care. Go and get that. Amia, who's from the Tyne at the Beacon and Free Feed the Need, who does wonderful things at the Beacon. And huge thank you to him for letting us use his cafe space. And all these made to say is thank you so Thanks much for joining in. Cinema, yes, the for the documentary, because yeah. we're going to go and do some interviews now. Yeah. So, to play us out, uh, obviously, thank you to Ricky who's being a wonderful co-host as per usual um, we will be back in two weeks time uh, do check us out on iTunes and on Twitter at underscore mentally sound and on Facebook but to end we're going to play One Day by Miss Ch- Mitas Yushu and we'll be here I think that's how you say it and we'll be back uh, in two weeks time bye guys Sometimes I lay under the moon, I thank God I'm breathing, and I pray, don't take me soon, cause I am here for reasons. Sometimes in my tears I drown, 